Hey, hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. You look like you are just radiating with the um, energy of uh, of being around a youth all weekend. <laughs> I was. I'm, I'm very much like Bette Midler mm-hmm. in Hocus Pocus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, my niece was in town. It was great. My like second oldest niece, my oldest niece from my other sister is like, a, a real adult human being right, person, right. which is weird. But my 13-year-old niece, who's my other sister's eldest, uh, came to visit and stayed with me all weekend. And we went and saw Beetlejuice on Broadway. And we so went fun. to the museum. and So fun. So- and we saw many pride people out. And, yeah. And Happy pride, everyone. It is Happy poor. pride. We are recording on the day after Pride, official Pride weekend, though. I was going to say Pride in New York, but there's, correct, you know, London, London Pride hasn't happened yet. There's still lots of Pride to go around. There's, I mean, Pride, honey, if you're in a hot town, that Pride is in October <laughs> and we stand, okay? <laughs> talking to you, Atlanta. Talking to you, Austin. They said, sweetie, we don't do anything outside in June. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't Florida's, like, almost November? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Fully, they're like, I mean, I know in Austin, they're like, right now, we are floating down rivers, drinking beers, and just... Just like trying to survive, okay? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, hi everyone. Welcome to the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject, such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we take two weeks or sometimes three weeks yes. if you invite us on your very long podcast. Yes. And we do a ton of research, a ton of historical digging, and then we come back and we give it all to you and we say, these are good, mm-hmm. these not so much. Yeah. We watch as much as we can and we mix it up. And we bring back the reviews. Um, this is our Pride episode. Uh, we try and do one every year, I guess. I don't know. If, did we do one last year? We didn't. So we this we're is liars. The, this is the return we just, to the Pride the episode. Um, in the past, we've done our drag episode. We've done qu- queer cinema. Um, I, I guess you could say our... Amaldavar episode. Yes. Even though that was in November. That was for Florida that was, Pride. Like Florida that was Pride. Florida there Pride. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, uh, before we get into that, I just want to say, Gavin alluded to it, uh, we're a week, not late because it's our podcast and we can do whatever we want, but uh, a week <laughs> uh, later than usual because we were on uh, screen drafts last week, um, which, uh, so if you guys don't know, we... We watch a lot for our show, uh, but then sometimes we get asked to come on other shows like Screen Drafts. And Screen Drafts, uh, we did their F Cinema Score uh, Mega Draft, where so like while me and Gavin were watching our movies for the last what three two episodes, yeah, uh, both. Uh, I mean, well, Regina Uma, yep, but definitely Regina uh, Uma uh, and Juliet, yep, yeah, and Juliet. <laughs> so three episodes, we were simultaneously also in our I don't know spare time, extra time. We were having our time turners and just um, also cramming in um, twenty one extra movies for their uh, mega draft. Um, it almost broke us. But but we broke back, okay? Uh, we did. And happy Pride. Happy Pride. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were on with Joe and Reed. Uh, I was going to say Joe and Reed, LOL. Oh, both Joe and Joe Reed. Joe and Reed. And Chris and File. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, for, uh, our buds from over at this had Oscar buzz, and we duked it out. And I got to say, you know, it was a long episode. Um, we were recording into the wee hours of the night, but... Uh, it had twists, it had turns, surprises, gagaronis, bits. Um, 
It was fun. It, it truly had all of those it, things. It really did. Uh, so if if you are in on the quest for another film podcast to go listen to, um, Screen Drafts is super popular. Thank you to Clay and Ryan for inviting us on. Um, hopefully we didn't cause too much chaos and drama, um, but we did. <laughs> and... Um, there was a lot of strategery. Let's just say it. Of, I, honey, I didn't come to play. I came to slay. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, vetoes? We'll see about that. But anyway, that's where we were at for the last week. So that's why we're coming to you a little bit late. But we are here. We are queer. And this is our Pride episode. Um, before we get into that, though, let's talk a little bit about our last episode where we had Kevin from Almost Major on. Kevin, who is fucking cool. Yeah. Um, such a delight. Such a delight. And we talked about Juliette Lewis. We asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite Juliette Lewis movie. And here are the results. Uh, in last place is Gavin's pick, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, at 17%. Um, we had a strong showing for other. Um, Gavin, please don't get mad. Please don't get mad, Gavin. Not a lot of, we- y'all, not a lot of y'all said what your other pick was, but it came right. in at third place <laughs> at 22%. Um, that, we- that's the thing. If you're going to vote other, fine, fine. It's an option fine but look what you guys did to gavin tweet tweet at us look what you did to gavin tell us what your pick is because if not you're wasting my time (laughs) gavin's mad guys not on pride okay please um (laughs) we did get a couple um responses a whip it which we love whip it and she's very good in it and a strange days which we talked a lot about in our angela bassett episode iconique Natural Born Killers came in at 28%, and then Cape Fear, which is what I picked, came in at first place at 33%. Um, Cape Fear, which slaps hard, uh, one of her first roles. Um, it's so good. It's ooky spooky, but it's worth it's worth the thrill ride. It's not ooky spooky. It's thrilling. It's thrilling. I got a lot but- of shit for ooky spookiness and my commitment to not being a spooky bitch over on Screen Drafts. <laughs> But it's such a good pick, and it's such a good performance, and I can't begrudge anybody for voting for it, because truly, I mean, she turns it out. She shows up in that movie. We did get um, one TikTok comment Uh that I was like, no, thank you, where somebody was like, the movie's good, she's good, can we talk about something else? Because we talked about the, the, like, creepy seduction scene, and it's like... I don't know. What else do you want to talk about? I don't know. The posters on our bedroom wall. Right. Like, this is the scene. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that's, that's the, the juice, hun. We are blessed to have Juliet in our lives. Um, You know, she's currently in Yellow Jackets. I'm sure she'll be back for more. And Queer as Folk, which oh dropped God. on Peacock. And I've still yet to see it because w- we were busy. We were but busy. I do, I do want to watch it. Yeah. Um. But I think that wraps up Juliet. Uh, Gavin, do we have any more old business? We've got to get out of the way. We do. We have a one new review. So by the way, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, my goal is to get us to 100 ratings and reviews on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts before the year is up. And we're midway through the year. And we are currently sitting pretty at 77 ratings and reviews, which puts us a couple more ahead than we were the last time. But we did get one written one. And this is from High Exalted. And it's a five-star review that says, Love you guys. So informative. So awesome. So funny. Everything you could possibly want in a film pod. So, so, so. So, so, so. I love you. Hi, Exalted. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. 
Absolutely. And I do want to say, by the way, if you are a new listener to this show, uh, if you've come from Screen Drafts, if you've come from TikTok, those are the two new things in our lives. Thank you so much for coming here. We really hope you enjoy what we do. We're here because we love film. We hope you're here because you love film. And that's really all we want to impart on people. But also, I do want to say to anybody who's been with us from the beginning, jumped on in the middle, found us through uh, a favorite celebrity, a favorite film subject, a favorite director. Thank you for being here because yeah. we do this because you guys come back every two weeks for us to do this show. And and we really appreciate your continued support. And so just thank you all for listening. Yes. And um, to many more. Um, okay. Let's wrap up that old business. Let's get dirty. Let's get dirty. Uh, honey. Uh we are going to get dirty uh, because today we are talking about the Prince of Puke, the Vizier of Vile. A filth elder. Mm, He's also yes, known the as elder. the Pope of Trash. The Pope of Trash. Today, for our Pride episode, we are talking about none other than John Waters. We were thinking about, you know, uh, it must have been weeks ago now when we were talking about, like, what should we do for our Pride episode? And um, <laughs> who was the person that I said we should do that you were like, uh... <laughs> Oh God, I don't even it remember. It was the the guy. The, uh, oh, is it Joel Schumacher? No, because I'm 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 waiting for a Joel Schumacher. I'm just waiting for us to get the perfect guest, which is Bosco from Drag Race. Oh God, Bosco, if you're listening, please, <laughs> please come talk to us about Joel Schumacher. Um, I'm gonna tweet at you every day. I'm not gonna do that. That's annoying. No, no, don't. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we, when we got to John Waters, both of us just kind of were like, "Yes, that yeah. seems correct." Um, Gavin, what what? was your relationship to john waters oh my goodness uh such a relationship to john waters um my parents never held anything from us uh in terms of movies growing up um we were not a wealthy family i don't think we truly had a vcr until like oh god the 90s and uh when they came out in like the 80s and but when we did, my dad was really interested in exposing us to the things that he liked as a kid. And luckily enough, John Waters had just come out with a movie in the late 80s called Hairspray. And it was PG. Yeah. And my dad was like, oh, shit, John Waters is a family movie? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I remember seeing Hairspray on VHS. I remember seeing Crybaby when it came out. I remember, you know, being early teen when serial mom came out and from there you know like his his more quote-unquote mainstream films are the ones that like made it into my repertoire and then also i i want to give a shout out to my good high school friend tim gagne who deserves the credit for introducing me to a, a world of weird for a lot of the weirder things that i've i've liked over the years uh he's the first person to introduce me to pink flamingos i believe he was one of the first people to show me desperate living um and and so this is your I freak friend, huh? Yeah, yeah. I definitely saw Mondo Trash, like learned the term rosary job from him. Oh, God. Uh, thank you, Tim. <laughs> and so, yeah. So John Waters has been a consistent presence in my life. I've always known that about this, this weird, more uh, trashy, but also inventive side of film. And I, you know, we'll talk more about him. But what was your background with Sir John Waters? I think like a lot of, you know, uh, a little bit sheltered, suburban living millennials. I discovered him through VH1, you know, like the late night showings of Crybaby were like, and, and Pecker. I remember watching Pecker and Crybaby on VH1 
and because I guess they were trying to be like, oh, um, certainly Crybaby was a quote movies that rocked. Remember when they used to yeah. do that? Because uh, Pecker was on Comedy Central a lot too. Oh, if I remember correctly, and I remember watching Pecker and not getting it at all. Being, yeah, you're like, what the fuck's teabagging? Yeah, yeah, truly. <laughs> and then also in watching. Um, cry baby i was like wait so there's squares and what the fuck are they calling it? like i i remember trying to think like drapes and i was like yeah yeah that's like cool because sure i got in my my little south texan brain was trying to like make meaning of it um but yeah i it was kind of similar to the feeling i got when i mean this is gonna be sound fucking weird but when i saw a miyazaki film it was like what is this i've never seen anything like this and how was this so singular from anything else I've ever seen, you know? Um, yeah. Because even though people probably don't hold... I mean, I think Pecker's great, but I don't think people, like, think of Pecker as one of his, like, greats. But, like, right. even in the movies that are not, like, his quote-unquote masterpieces, they still are so singular and have such a specific style that is just uniquely John Waters. Um, it wasn't until later... In life, Shaddy, one of my best friends, um, is obsessed with John Waters, went to Camp John Waters, met him, did the whole thing. Um, and I, wa- I watched Plink Flamingos. I watched Polyester. Um, and, and I think also it's like that. Uh, I think just through like friends, it's like, oh, yeah, like you learn about Divine, you know, you learn about their relationship and stuff. And so it's... Uh, I didn't have as a, a close relationship or connection as you did, but I've always just been like, this guy's a fucking freak and I like it. <laughs> was your friend Shadi at the Camp John Waters where the woman ate shit in front of him? Because he talks about, I've done a lot of research. And one of the great things about John Waters, and as I've always said about this show, is we're sort of like a 101. And what's amazing about John Waters is he has never made himself, there is no private John Waters. He is a public persona. Right. And there are so many interviews with him. The only thing I guess there, he doesn't talk about is like his love life, right? Yes. Yeah, that's about it. But the but the you know, if Except there's that information he's gay. <laughs> yeah. What? I know. I know. Mary, full of grace. Um yeah. And so like I I you know, if there's anything that we miss or anything that you want to find out deeper about John Waters, it's very easy yes. to go out there and get that information. But you know, we're hopefully gonna provide some context for him. But it but it's funny, that's one of the things he's talked about in recent years that someone at Camp John Waters, some woman came up to him and was like, can I eat some dog shit in front of you? Uh, And he was like, well, who am I to say no to her? Because she already had it in a plastic bag. Right. And so she didn't. He said he had to look away. He couldn't do it. That's what's funny. You know, I was watching. He has a um, like he went on tour like in the early aughts. Right. Yeah. He still tours with that. This filthy world. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. And I guess HBO or whoever filmed it. And it, I, it was so funny to, like, hear him, like, talk about some things he says and the audience is like, ooh, too much. But then other <laughs> times he's like, you know, I'm not a sadist. I don't, you know, he's he does get grossed out. He does have limits and he talks a lot about boundaries and limits and stuff. So he's such a uh, a weird, a noble kook um, and also just, like, somehow timeless, but definitely from a specific period and era you know there was a lot of movies i hadn't seen of his and a lot that i really really liked i was like oh my god i can't believe i hadn't seen you know cecil b demented (laughs) you know it's a it's a a lot of his stuff so hopefully 
listeners out there, you will also appreciate it. Um, with that being said, why don't we get into our rewind? Gavin, please chime in with all your research. I know he, John Waters has written a couple books. He wrote his book about traveling across country, hitchhiking. The book that I listened to that I knew had more facts in it was Mr. Know-It-All, which right. came out in 2019. Right. I, I will say, I've seen him live. I've met him, okay. too, okay. which is fun. But I've seen him live. Did you uh, eat dog shit in front of him or no? I did not. Okay, not a true fan. Hmm. Uh, clearly not. I, I do have a picture with him. I don't show it off often because I look um, gaunt and ghoulish. It was when I was thinner. Uh, but um, gaunt but and he did get... is your like preferred mode, Gavin. <laughs> he his uh, advice that he gave me when he was handing his camera to his assistant to take our picture together was um, he's like, "We're not going to take a selfie, and also never have sex with anyone over webcam." The lighting is always terrible. Wow. And I was like, you know what? He's right. right. I have made that mistake you're before. Right. He looked at me and read me. Yeah, he said, <laughs> I know what the fuck you're getting into. And yes. I do not approve. <laughs> John Samuel Waters Jr. was born April 22nd, 1946 in where else? Baltimore. Um, Good morning, Baltimore. That's the place that, you know, he knows and loves and we'll, we'll see over and over again in his films. Uh it's it's the well you know never runs dry for him there he's never no. he's never moved away i think he owns an apartment here in the new york um i think he's got a place in provincetown where you can more than literally once, run into him all the time yeah everywhere. i was gonna say more than once he's been hit while riding his bike one about once by elvira <laughs> so. and she did it on purpose <laughs> yes she said oh well, fuck that guy uh, <laughs> he has three siblings um his mom patricia ann and dad, John Samuel um, Sr., um, who made fire protection equipment. They were very uh, middle class family. Upper middle class, yeah. in fact. I was like upper middle class, I would say. Uh, my parents have antiques. But I mean, part of Desperate Living was filmed in my parents' house. I mean, the cavalcade of perversion from multiple maniacs was filmed on their front lawn. But my parents are very conservative, thank God. I'd hate to have parents that took LSD and went to Plato's retreat. <laughs> He was raised uh, Roman Catholic, which is also another like theme we will be seeing through a lot of so this, much Catholicism. Gr- grows up in in Baltimore in like you know kind of uh, well to do suburbs. Um, lives a life of uh, not wanting much, but is very like quickly. I don't know if he realizes it, but he very quickly you know watches The Wizard of Oz and is just like really. Uh, he talks a lot about, you know, being attracted to the weird, the disgusting, um, you know, in The Wizard of Oz, he he says, he's like, I always wonder why the fuck did Dorothy want to go back to that awful fucking place in Kansas? I was the only kid in the audience that didn't understand why Dorothy would ever want to go home. It was a mystery to me, to that awful black and white farm with that aunt who was dressed badly with smelly farm animals around when when she could live with winged monkeys and magic shoes and gay lions i didn't get it to this day says you know the wizard of oz is one of the best movies he's ever seen um and it, it, it inspired a lot of his filmmaking um yeah he talks i mean he has so many like kooky booky stories about being a kid and his parents being like okay sweetie Yes. Yeah, it's a lot of that. I mean, my favorite story that he tells, you know, 
is that he met Divine when they were children. Because you Divine know, grew up. A lot of the people he meets are are younger, less privileged kids than him. But he said the thing that he knew that attracted him to Divine was that there was something unsettling about Divine, even way before the drag. Right. And he said the moment he saw his father look at Divine and wince a little, he was like, <laughs> That's my oh, friend. That, that's my yeah, friend. that's my friend. Divine grew up the street from my parents. We grew up together. And Divine in high school had a pretty rough time because he was not at all flamboyant, but they used to wait to beat him up after school. He used to have the police used to have to take him home just because he was infeminate. And I thought, God, here's somebody that's causing this incredible hostile reaction for doing nothing, for just standing there. So that's sort of what, why I thought he'd be good in movies. And Divine, I sort of encouraged him to uh, bring out all the flamboyance in himself. And especially if he weighed 300 pounds, most people that weigh 300 pounds do not wear tight dresses. <laughs> Divine, whose real name, or yeah, real name, Glenn Milstead, because I've read that Divine, Glenn um, was, you know, Divine was a character, you know. Yeah, Div- we talked about it in our Dragon Film episode. It's right. a, it's sort of a misconception when people are like, and, and Divine deserves his place in history as like a formative drag queen. Right. But Glenn didn't love being known as a drag queen. Glenn wanted to be known as a character actor. Right. He said, you know, the next thing you could call him is a drag queen if you wanted. Right. But, like, that's not the main goal. Right. No. Divine is, is not a transvestite. Divine does never walk around as a woman. He only does it when somebody pays him to do it for a movie or a play or a personal appearance. It's a lot of work to turn Divine into Divine. I mean, he has a five o'clock shadow from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Uh, Divine's basically a kind of shy person. I think he's just an actor. And he wants to work. I mean, he's played men in my films, too. In Female Trouble, he played a man for part of it. John has said that divine glenn was his muse the person that made him want to like create um which is really fucking cool the movies were vehicles for divine's beauty and my mental illness really my words were written for divine and spoken through him divine had the anger it was there to use at first he didn't quite get it divine was not political divine could was anything but a hippie believe me he would do puppet shows when he was a kid um he was always doing like this weird shows at parties um, for friends. The city of Baltimore, and he said this, he's like, he'll never leave because Baltimore still makes him laugh. He thinks it's such like a fun city where it's really diverse and he loves the trashiness of it. You know, you can really get like the rich snooty snoots and then you yeah. also get like the kind of downtown um, rough side of town that he likes. And I, And I think that's the thing that Normally, when somebody who has some means decides to start, quote unquote, slumming it with the people who are less fortunate or hanging out with people that are are different, it doesn't sound great. But I think in John Waters case, I, I truly feel like he found his people. Yeah. Like he found a group of people that that were outsiders that he really fit in with, that he wanted to fit in with. Right, because even though he came from means, he himself was an outsider because he didn't feel like, you know, he thought, like, being disgusting and gross was funny, you know? Right. And he didn't want to, like, (laughs) you know, button up like the other Joneses were. He tells the story in, in his book about coming home from kindergarten and telling his 
parents about this like really strange kid who sat alone from everybody and only drew with black crayons and and was really weird and a loner and when his parents asked about that kid at a parent teacher conference the teacher gasped and said oh no that's your son (laughs) and so he was always creating these characters always developing these you know personas and he's even said that he won't say white trash i would never ever say the word white trash i think it's the last politically correct racist term to use and i i would never say it it's a condescending term it means you are better than they are i know what you mean by it but i i don't think of it as white trash in my movies i think of it as extreme white people he's never punching down ever you know forever as disgusting and shocking as he is um he's never i mean that's his whole thing you know he is centering the queers he is centering the other um and never, you know, they're the heroes. Um, so anyway, uh, John went to private school, private Catholic school. Um, and it, uh, literally throughout his entire education was private Catholic school. Yeah. Um, he went, to, like, there was a, a beatnik bar um, where he met a bunch of his, like, future collaborators. We've talked to a lot of people on the show who have... Uh, collaborated with multiple with people multiple times over the career i don't think like i (laughs) i can't remember someone who as aggressively does it as much as he does you know and it probably is out of um necessity because they oh it's absolutely out of necessity it's funny it's often sort of compared to andy warhol and his Mm. like clique of people who you know constantly around so john waters calls his unit of people the dreamlanders Dreamlanders. and you know these are people like mink stole and divine over the years you get people like massey Eve Massey. Oh my god, I love Eve Massey. Icon. He said once uh, Edith Massey was in a review for Pink Flamingos, the reviewer said, this is a woman who either deserves an Oscar or a live-in nurse. And she (laughs) responded by, I could have both. Yeah, Icon. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, and and so even Patricia Hearst, you know, these are people that over the years have, have gravitated towards him. They, and I think what sort of separates the the Andy Warhol people from the John Waters people. And I know a lot of people knock the earlier films for being like really loud and really, you know, over the top. But as John Waters has said, you can't knock the actors for that. That's what I asked for. That's right. what I wanted. Right. But I think that what separates them is that John Waters people are very good. Like I love <laughs> Mink Stoll. Yeah. I love Edith Massey. I love Divine. I think Divine gives good performances. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, being inspired by Andy Warhol, inspired by trashy films, and and he um, eventually makes his way to NYU. He's there for a bit, um, but eventually gets kicked out because he's smoking um, weed on campus. Um, (laughs) I think he says that, like, I read an interview somewhere that his father was never more disappointed in him than in that moment when he, like, got kicked out of NYU. Um, but, and, and to this day, his parents, I, his, his relationship with his parents. Yeah. So he, he, up until they passed away was pretty good. Yeah. Like they, I think I read like the dad financed pink flamingos, but never yeah. saw it was like, no, yeah, not, not for us. <laughs> my, my favorite, I think my favorite, my two favorite quotes, cause we're in this section actually is in this filthy world he talks about both his influence and his parents and his quote about 
how when he was younger. Maybe as a teenager, I, I wanted to be Visconti. But as I realize I get older, my career is becoming more and more of out of Paul Lins. <laughs> and when he was talking about his parents and he told them he was making A Dirty Shame, his final film, uh, his mother said, oh, what's it about? And he said, sex addicts. And she said, oh, maybe we'll die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. Before he goes off to NYU, he makes a short film in Baltimore, it's very DIY. I think a lot of these first movies are all DIY stuff. Um, a lot of them are not frequently seen outside of art exhibits now. Right. Um, this one's called Hag in a Black Leather Jacket. Um, it. I don't. Have you seen this? I've not. I've. I've. Unfortunately, there was a a big um, retro John Waters retrospective, which is actually like. Sort of how I met Dan. Huh. I kind of knew Dan beforehand, but huh. I really talked to him sort of for the first time in like long sentences uh, long while waiting sentences. in line to go see. <laughs> yeah, long sentences of w- waiting in line to see Serial Mom on the big screen. Uh, and they showed them, and I unfortunately missed them. I, I missed Hagen and Black Leather Jacket, Roman Candles, all of. Yeah, I mean, I have not seen these um, early, early stuff. It was shown once to no notice in a beatnik coffee house. Uh, I didn't even know there was editing then, so uh, I thought what came out of the camera was the movie, and in this case, it was. It's about a black man and a white girl who are married on a rooftop. The man apparently chooses a Ku Klux Klan member to perform the wedding. Um, it's very, uh, you know, in your face. Like, from the beginning, he is being uh, shocking, uh, and so, and that's before he goes to NYU. Hello, <laughs> like what? Um, so after he gets kicked out, though, he comes back. Um, he has all his Dreamlanders. One thing that John Waters is famous for in these early films, he was like, "We weren't going to ask permission to make film. Right. Like we weren't going. You know, it's guerrilla filmmaking. It was like we need to go find this location. Oh, there. Let's let's just go. Yeah, sure, great. Let's do it. Um, and they were like this." roving band of like a troop of actors and filmmakers um and he has said a lot of people think that it's a lot of it was improvised and just like loosey-goosey and he said no 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 in interviews the dreamlanders also say like no john was very like precise about what we were gonna do and like um you know the written script and so it's not even though it does feel loosey-goosey and diy i mean it was diy he was directing the shit yeah there is a really great documentary, which you can find on YouTube, called Divine Trash. And one of the first things that it has in it is this young white filmmaker is like, oh, I love John Waters because he could always just be like, call up his friends and be like, we're making a movie tomorrow at a trailer park. Let's go do it. And then the rest of the documentary spends its entire length being like, that's not true. Fuck off. None of that is true. He is he is a very succinct filmmaker. Right. He will give you line readings if he wants you to say it a different way. He he everything is like to the T John Waters. Yep. There is no improv. The the lines are written the way they are in the script. Everything happens the way it's scripted out. He is very much in control of the situation, even if they're running and gunning, even if they're right. shooting at places that they shouldn't be shooting. He is He's the man in charge. And I love that. I love that he has such a singular vision. Right. That he's going to make the movie that he wants. When he gets back to Baltimore, he makes two more short films. Uh, Roman Candles is the first one. This is the first one that stars Divine. Um, But, you know, this is where we start. You know, it's Divine, Mary Vivian Pierce, David Lockery, Mink Stoll. Like, these are the folks that we're going to see 
over and over again for a while. Um, he makes Eat Your Makeup, which is another film, uh, a short with Divine in it. Uh, his first feature-length film is Mondo Trasho in 1969. I have not seen Mondo Trasho. Oh, really? I Mondo not- Trasho is not terribly difficult to find, but was for a very long time. Huh. In fact, Dan saw Mondo Trasho right before the first big restoration when they played it. I think he said at Cinema Village, and there were like advertising it as they they got John Waters to do the advertising himself because he had just kept these film canisters in his garage and letting them rust and they were falling apart and once again they had not been restored yet and he on his advertisements he was like come see the film prints disintegrate before your eyes <laughs> this is uh you know a, a movie that he's very inspired by his favorite directors uh, Russ Meyer um and the title is a playoff of Mondo Topless, which is like a kind of documentary. Um, and also other like kind of documentaries that were popular in the sixties. So like he is paying homage to Mondo Kane, Mondo Freudo, Mondo Bizarro. Um, but I, so yeah, this is the one movie I didn't get to. What is Mondo Trasho about Kevin? So it's, um, well, it's an interesting plot. I mean, it's a silent film, except for it's all pop music that is played over. Uh, funny enough, he pre- totally predicted the like, oh no, TikTok trend because that song is in there really? several times. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's about this woman who like goes out, and he freely admits that this film should not be an hour and a half because she used to spend two minutes with her waiting for the bus. But she's on a bus around Baltimore. She's reading Kenneth Anger. She gets off a bus. She goes cruising in a park. A man brings her into the forest so he can shrimp on her toes. And for people who don't know what shrimping is, it's foot fetishing, licking the toes and everything. And she gets off on it and while doing so has this fantasy of being Cinderella. Um, and then Divine comes along and hits her with her car <laughs> and puts her <laughs> puts her in the back of her car. And doesn't really know what to do with her, drives around a lot, finally brings her to a doctor who cuts off her feet and replaces them. So no them more with- shrimping? Yeah, exactly. Uh, brings uh, Makes them weird monster feet. And then she realizes that she has the power when she clicks her talons together three times, she can transport around Baltimore. Wow. See? And there's there- Wizard of Oz. There it is. <laughs> exactly. Um. So I don't think I realized that it was a silent film. Very yeah, interesting. It's, I mean, there, there's there's a like brief monologue, and I'm putting that in big quotes, but it's literally just divine like praying to the the Virgin Mary appears to her, and um, <laughs> and she just keeps going, oh Mary, Mary, <laughs> Mary, <laughs> oh Mary, Mary, oh, oh, oh. Oh, Mary. Happy Pride. Happy uh, Pride. His second film, Multiple Maniacs, um, is made in 1970. Um, it's his first talkie. Yes. <laughs> um, it uh, It's on HBO Max right now. This, I believe, is the first movie where Edith Massey is in, uh, which, thank God. she She's playing a bartender at the bar she actually worked at. Incredible. It's Multiple Maniacs is like about... Uh, a troupe of actors, right? Or they're fake yeah. actors. They want they're, people. To- they're a fake freak show. Yeah. But really what they're doing is robbing and murdering people. 
Um, yes. There's a lot of murder in these movies, gotta say. A lot of... Yeah. Well, I mean, John Waters, like, there, uh, there's a... There's an argument to be made that in another life, John Waters went to prison for murder. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This is the movie where we get the um, phrase, uh, rosary job. Yes. Um, be- and what's funny, I was reading about Multiple Maniacs. There's a scene where um, she falls in with a c- the character that's played by Bink Stoll. And um, they become lesbians together um, and go into this church um, and literally, Minkstol shoves a rosary up Divine's ass, um, and John Waters says, "You know, we asked this church if we could just like shoot a film in there. Didn't tell him what it was about." <laughs> and the priest was like, "Yeah, sure." And so they just like were able like I just can't imagine the nerve to be like, "Hi, just let us in for a, a cute little minute." And we're going to just like have, yeah, it's a movie. It's going to be so fun, so cute <laughs> and fully like the level of, I mean, I can't describe. I mean, I, I think through this episode, we really have to make it clear and paint the picture for all the girls and uh, guys out there and everyone else that the, the level of like shocking, uh, disturbing yeah. uh, at the, like when at the freak show, it's like, come this way, come this way. Like you're going to see filth, horror, disgusting things. And yeah. it's, at the, First, it's like fine, but watch, then, watch two guys kiss. Yeah, yeah, watch two guys kiss. But then it's like this guy is eating a bucket of vomit, and yeah. then and then it escalates from there to like here's a heroin addict who's tried to go cold turkey or whatever. Yeah, and, and, and like, we brought heroin to watch so you can watch him shoot up in front of you. Yeah, it's it, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like this. I, I mean, yeah, it, it is. It's every taboo possible, and and that's what he's sort of interested in. But I I think what sort of I think the sort of thesis statement that you can make about John Waters is that he's more interested in like the judgmental people than the non-judgmental people because he wants to see where he can push your boundaries because the judgmental people are the people that hide this stuff away. Right. And you see it more and more, especially towards the later films. There's always the, like, the societal force that is like, you can't do that. You can't. Right. And then, like, goes home and lets their dog lick their feet to get so they right. get off. Right, right, You know? Totally. And that's, and I think that's what's interesting is he's presenting in Multiple Maniacs, he's presenting these this crowd of people that's like, Oh, we don't want to see this, but yeah. then is willing to like yeah. pay to see these these acts that like no one in their right mind should want to see. No one wants to eat, watch somebody eat their vomit. Right? I wouldn't pay for it. I would not be. No. I would not have fallen victim to Divine and her troop of thieves. No, absolutely not. I think to appreciate bad taste, you sort of have to have good taste. I mean, my house doesn't look like the set of polyester. I don't wear leisure suits. I don't eat dog turds. But I think that good bad taste is when you when you have fun with bad taste and that when you take it seriously but you bad bad taste would be something that is offensive but not funny. I think you have to have a certain style with bad taste to make it interesting. I think the most famous scene from this movie is the ending where a giant lobster comes and rapes yeah. Divine. Um, after everyone has died, everybody has been killed. Yes, correct. Um, out of nowhere, this big lobster. Uh, and, it, and, it, and I will say the lobster looks great. Like they, It's amazing. You want to know how much it costs? $35. 
Thirty-five dollars. I Get read that boy a Cupid doll. I read that. Yeah, it, it, it's. It, it, I was like, okay, Marvel movies don't look good. Okay. Yeah. Say that exactly. Say that. It looks incredible. Uh, if you've never seen a lobster rape somebody, you're really missing out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a giant lobster made with like I don't know what PVC pipes and like yeah something just whatever he could find. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly what this movie's about. Fair, but it's it's uh you know like a bomb going off, just like hello, here I am, it's John Waters. I think it must be said that a lot of his movies, obviously they were rated then X. Yeah. Um, what is today's... Or not rated at all. Right. And would be shown, you know, locally at the art houses. Uh, we're not some like... Of, some of these earlier ones would get, like, a showing yeah. in the basement of a church. And that was it. And that's cinema, babes. <laughs> I do I do want to mention, too, real quick, just back on Mondo Trasho. Sure. Uh, just in case anybody doesn't believe that, you know, this man has his outsider credentials... There's a scene in Mondo Trasho with a naked hitchhiker. Um, they shot it on the campus of John Hopkins University without permission. And so somebody saw this and was offended. Campus police chased them down. Waters like told everybody to split. And they were able to get away from the police for a while. But then they went to pick up the car and the police were waiting for them. And all of them were charged with conspiracy to commit indecent exposure. Right, right. The things you do for art. So after Multiple Maniacs, we get Pink, Pink Flamingos in 1972. Um, Pink Flamingos, I think, is probably his most, well, people would consider his, like, masterpiece, right? Like, yes. it's his, yeah. it's the big coming out for Divine. Um, I love Pink Flamingos. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. How could you not? It's what they describe as the or the tagline was an exercise in poor taste yeah um what i like about the plot of this movie is that it's literally like divine is like off and away doing her own like very normal life thing it's really the antics of these other fools who are like no we're the most you know disgusting people alive (laughs) that pushes divine to like go over the edge because for all intents and purposes Divine is just living, you know, Edie Massey plays her mom who loves eggs and is in a crib. And and yeah, it is like weird and like cuckoo buku, but like that, that that's interesting. So so in your opinion, at the beginning of the movie, she's like reformed. Because there is that like bit of monologue at the beginning from John Waters doing the thickest Baltimore accent, which by the way, it, it's been said that the thicker your Baltimore accent was, the more likely you were to appear in a John Waters film. Um, is that what saying, that is? It's beautiful Mabelheim you see before you. It's the current hideout of the notorious beauty divine, the filthiest person alive. Because of this cover story and one of your sleazier national tabuloids, she has been forced to go underground. Disguising her parents and adapting the alias of Babs Johnson. Yeah, saying that 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 she's a notorious criminal. He's like the notorious criminal. Div- I can't do it. I, Dan says when I do it, I either sound like I'm doing, you know, Bob Dylan or Christopher Walken. But like, it's the uh, that sort of like. It, I'm trying to like. There was a lot of like Mink Stoll has it like a lot of there are words yeah. in these movies where I'm like wait what is how do you say that? Um, <laughs> That's a Baltimore accent. I don't think she's reformed. I just think like she is 
like in this movie, she is the one who is the quote unquote like just yeah. chilling, not like worried about the world, not like actively being like I'm gonna go fuck somebody's life up. Um, and it's really like these other clowns who are like, we are the most disgusting. We're and pushing Divine to increasingly behaving in a very shocking manner. I don't know what the fucking words I'm saying. It's, it's it's very hard to describe because there's, you know, sodomy, there's like overeating, vomit, rape, incest, murder, cannibalism. Like this movie just has it all. Animal cruelty. Animal, Animal cruelty. cruelty. Yes. Yeah. Well, we got the chickens at a place that said freshly killed poultry where you go in and they kill the chicken in front of you, take it home and eat it. Uh-huh. So we made the chicken's life better. We put it in a movie. It even had sex and got famous and then we ate it. So we really made the chicken's life better. And people that object to that scene, I always ask them, do you eat chicken? I think, well, do you think the chicken had a heart attack and landed on your plate? But it's so fascinating because I've seen other films from this era that look like this, that are from the underground scene, the Andy Milligan films of it all and and whatnot. But I think what makes it work for John Waters is that it is so cinematic. (laughs) And it is like it feels like a real movie. You know, and and obviously, like, I have a lot of nostalgia for it because I saw it in my teen years with my friends and we had jokes from this. Like we would do the my friend Tib would be like, why don't you have sex with my chauffeur? He has a real horse cock. And I would go, thanks, Connie. (laughs) (laughs) And like stuff like that, like it's a very quotable and it's very and I think, you know, there there is an immaturity level. John Waters had said, you know, this is a movie for preschoolers. They should show it in kindergartens. <laughs> He's like, we. I wrote it when I was high. Divine wrote it, like, helped me write bits when she was high. He's like, we didn't make it when we were high, but, like, this is a movie on marijuana. Yeah. I mean, so a loose plot is that the Marvels, <laughs> the Marvels are, they're a couple um, and they run a black market baby ring. They kidnap young women, and imp- they ha- they also have like this kind of like man servant guy yeah. who they I don't know how they they he's obsessed with them, and they use him to impregnate women um, in their basement. Um, and they show him, you know, I think he jerks off. And then yeah. in a, like a little baster, and they show the baster going into a vagina, and that's how he impregnates them. Um, and it is aggressive, uh, <laughs> but like it's this also aggressively camp. Um, they, you know, sell heroin. There's like a lot of gender fuckingness going on in this movie as well. Um, but so they send a box of uh, shit to um, uh, Divine. Just basically to be like a fuck you. We are more fucked up than you are. We are more disgusting and filthy. Um, and Div- uh, that's the best part though. When Divine's like, how very dare. This is enough. <laughs> like she's so upset that they are, um, you know, basically saying fuck you to her. And, and, and meanwhile, her and her mom are getting ready for a birthday party. A big, just like blowout um, with the egg man. Uh, and it's just like this back and forth of them trying to like one up each other until the end when Divine fucking kills them. Yeah. The birthday party is great. It has everything that you could ever want. Oh my it god. It has has drugs, it has guns, it has a singing asshole, oh. a man who's 
asshole sings. It has cannibalism when the police show up and they attack them. <laughs> I was, I mean, you call that asshole singing. I call it, I don't just, I'm just a whole, sir. Like literally <laughs> it's, I was like, oh my God. Like what? You know, what's funny that Do actor. Do not watch this movie around your parents. <laughs> Okay. John Waters has said that he has credited every actor that's ever worked for him except for that man because he asked for his name not to be released. And then that man died and his wife said it was okay. Wow. So so he yeah, people found out Asshole the, guy's wife said, No, babe, this is your legacy. We gotta This keep is your, your legacy. You gotta She's, keep your name going strong. Good for him. Good for her. This is the movie where famously she eats dog shit. Watch. As divine proves that not only is she the filthiest person in the world, she is also the filthiest actress in the world. What you are about to see is the real thing. How much is that dog in the window? (laughs) John Waters talks about like how he's like, I don't understand why it's so crazy. Everything like, you know, and I'm like, you don't get why that's so fucking crazy? What? The fuck? Which is funny because I've also heard him say, like, why not do it? Nobody's ever going to do it again because they don't need to because Divine did it. And nobody did it before. So, like, it's history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he has said, he's like, I'm not a sadist. Like, we did one take and I asked, you know, Divine if she'd do it. She said yes. And it was not a big deal. Um, and he's like, and the last thing I shouted at her was, give me a shit eating grin. Yeah. And that's where that smile comes yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. So that's Pink Flamingos. I mean, movie made on nothing and it becomes, you know, kind of like an, like, it's just like one of the cult movies. There's so much of culture that we, you know, we consume that you can trace back to Pink Flamingos um, from like the fashion to the gender fuckedness, you know, to divine that makeup, you know, like, and how much as a culture we're obsessed with drag now, like, hello, here we are. In 1974, he makes Female Trouble. Um, You'll see, like, as slowly as we, like, get through, you know, the 70s, I think what they call these movies in the 70s is, like, the trash trio, right? Like, yeah. Um, you got Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble in 1974, and Desperate Living in 1977. Um, Female Trouble is, like, a uh, parody or a satire of the movies that were coming out at the time of just, like, you know... Yeah, um, quote-unquote women's films. Right, you know? women's films. But the great thing is, is he creates this character named Don Davenport who is played by Divine, who is a terrible person. Terrible. (laughs) And and so it's funny because you're not really following someone that you necessarily like rise. You're following somebody despicable's rise. The rise and fall. (laughs) And fall. And and what's interesting, too, is the other people that surround, you know, like, I love um, the, the couple, Donald Dasher, Donna Dasher, David Lockery, Mary Vivian Pierce, What's fun about them is like they're totally a skewering of fashion, you know, like right. the that they are like, we love these things. We love high class. And but it but it's like careless rich people. Right. Who just like w- want whatever they can get and and make someone do. Right. And taking advantage of, you know. People a mentally ill woman. Yeah. Like <laughs> this. I think the the thing that's most iconic about this movie people remember a lot is the cha-cha heels. Yes. All she wanted was her fucking cha-cha heels, mother. <laughs> what are these? Those are your new shoes, Don. Those 
those aren't the right kind. I told you cha-cha heels, black ones. Nice girls don't wear cha-cha heels. Give me those presents. I'll never wear those ugly shoes. I told you the kind I wanted. You ruined my presents. She gets raped by herself out of drag um, and, you know, has a kid young and drops out of school. And it's just this woman, Dawn, who like fucking gets discovered. And, you know, uh, the Dashers are, like Gavin said, these fashionistas who are like, oh, you're a model. You're gorgeous. You're beautiful. You're the most beautiful woman in the world and take advantage of. Uh, maybe not take advantage. I don't fucking know. Cause she like, and she loves it. What's wild is it's still an advantage. What's wild though, is like this movie takes you on this fucking crazy ride. And then, you know, she ends up in court for um, the, 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 the Zenith of the movie is like, she's having this great big show and it's, it's going to be so outrageous. You have to be there. And she ends up sh- shooting on the crowd, like literally just like firing on the crowd. Yeah. Um, she's also had her face scarred by acid because Edith Massey has thrown acid in her face. And, sh- and these two fashionistas like convince her not to get plastic surgery because hideous is now beautiful. And- right. Right. And they're like, Oh my God, you're beautiful. You're gorgeous with your <laughs> scarred face. But then she, you know, the cops catch her and she's in courtroom and everyone and she's like, they'll tell you I'm beautiful. I'm the most famous, gorgeous model. Like everyone's talking about me in the papers. And like the judge and the jury are like, LOL, what? Like it's <laughs> it's very bizarre. This movie kind of like plays with reality and like where they are in, in the world. Um, I liked A Female Trouble. It's oh, I like it. Very too. fucking it's weird. Great. It ends with her getting um, electrocuted in the electric chair. 1977 desperate living um which is probably like the least known of the trash trio uh, yeah i think part of it is is divine's not in it divine was busy doing a play at the time divine was doing one of the plays at the time neon woman i think and had a contract um he was going to be in it certainly i think he wanted to get away from me for a bit at the time and he had a hit play actually at the time that was something that didn't have to do with me which i understand certainly in hindsight we weren't fighting or anything um it was a shock to me at the time, but I certainly made the movie. This movie, you might have seen some gifts from this movie this week after um, the Supreme Court fuckery that went down. The star of this movie is Mink Stoll, right? Like Mink Stoll is yeah. the, the lead of this movie and she is a delusional, kooky-booky housewife who her and her living maid, um, they go on the run after they fucking kill... Um, her husband um, because she's having a mental breakdown. They get like caught by a policeman who's like, I can send you to jail or I can send you to Mortville, which is a whole kingdom like society of outcasts in the middle of the woods. Yes. And it's, I mean, John Waters describes me as like a fairy tale. Um, and it's, it very much is a fairy tale. They go to Mortville and there's a, a queen, and the queen is played by Edith Massey. Oh my uh, god, she's so good. She's so good. Um, and there's, like, a colony of nudists. Um, there's, you know, they um, meet up with lesbians, and and um, this uh, trans character who demands a sex change, um, and then when uh, their partner hates it, literally cuts off their new penis and throws it to the dogs. None of it's based in reality. No, so that's no, no, the, no. I think that's what sort of 
keeps it from being offensive. You know, John Waters had said this movie was picketed by lesbians when it came out because he took the name of a a recently defunct lesbian magazine for the title of the movie. And he said now it's one of the most played films by gay groups when they play it on college campuses so yeah it's it's a very bizarro movie i would say even more so than the other ones just because yeah it's like he's built this entire society um but you know the crazy housewife in the end is like maybe i do fuck with the society and i will be the powerful one yeah she turns into a fascist yeah she 100 goes fascist but also then looks like literally like the evil queen from snow white and he has said that she's designed to look like that um also forgot to mention that her and the maid have a lesbian relationship as well yeah eventually i gotta say gene hill who plays the maid is very good she's like this overweight black actress um and and playing this lesbian i was like fuck yeah like you just don't see fat black women like starring in movies and 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 queer at that you know like yeah um and she's fucking good she's funny and she's like take no prisoners we'll fuck shit up um i i will say i used to have that mink stole monologue from the beginning memorized what's the matter with the courts do they allow this lawlessness and malicious destruction of property to run rampant i hate the supreme court Go home to your mother! Doesn't she ever watch you? Tell her this isn't some communist daycare center! Tell your mother I hate her! Tell your mother I hate you! It's my favorite thing in the world. Right, and then obviously, fuck, fuck the Supreme Court. Fuck the Supreme Court. Um, yeah. Which, yes, and. In 1981, you know, this is... Um, his first mainstream movie, Polyester, he was able to get Tab Hunter to, to come on to this movie. Yes. Who was an actual movie star, um, you know. And so an actual, they had an actual budget. They had, you know, it was less of the DIY thing. You know, in, in Desperate Living, they had to make this fucking compound for uh, the city of Mortville. Polyester was um them the dreamlanders you know kind of coming into the mainstream some credit should also be given to bob shea who at the time was the head of new line cinema this was only the second film produced by new line cinema and he was like really championing bringing waters to like a larger audience of course new line eventually blows up because of the nightmare on elm street series but this was even prior to that was robert shea trying to do something different with like a mini major. Love it. Um, this is a, also the first movie where divine plays not divine, you know? Yeah. Um, divine is Francis Fishpaw, and she's a housewife who's, uh, her husband is like a, he owns a theater that shows porn and she is just verklempt about how embarrassing it is. And, you know, there are people picketing outside because they, you know, they're Christians who don't agree with porn or whatever. Uh, And she's just like, please leave me alone. She's trying desperately just to be like the very perfect, like, you know, housewife has two kids that are, you know, disgusting as well. You know, their their son, um, he gets off on stomping on women's feet. Um, 
and which was based on a real thing really yeah i did not know about there was a there was a case of a man running around baltimore that was stomping on ladies feet incredible um the, her daughter literally for the entire movie until like she changes later but like Every scene is just her giggling and dancing and shaking her body. He's satirizing how parents see kids. Like, all they're doing is want to dance and be disgusting, <laughs> um, you know, and have sex and be naughty, naughty girls. There's also maybe my favorite um, person in this movie, Edith Massey, as Cuddles Kavinsky. Who... It's my favorite Edith Massey role, hands she, down. She... I don't really know exactly why she has a lot of money, but she does. She's Yeah, she's just a rich lady. She's a rich lady. People make fun of her, but it's really only... Uh, it's Divine's character's only friend. Um, and so, anyway, Divine is like, I think my husband is cheating on me. Um, and he is. He's fucking Mink Stole. And Mink Stole in the, like, Bo Derek 10 braids. Yes. In cornrow yes. beaded yes. Yes. braids. Hilarious. Giving you the Monica, if you will. Um, <laughs> and th- the movie is really about this housewife who gets no respect by her from her kids, from her husband, society. Um, maybe the funniest part of this movie is, like, she's attempting to, like, kill herself by hanging herself. And then doesn't because Cuddle saves her. But then the dog kills itself with, yes. by hanging itself. That shit made me laugh so it hard. It leaves a note. It leaves that a was, note. It leaves a note. So you know that that's how the dog the, yeah. the, the dog killed itself. Yeah. Um, you're leaving out the biggest part of this movie, which is that John Waters brought back the concept of Odorama. This concept had always... Yes interested him as a kid but it never worked and people said you know it was it's awful and it was putrid and he came up with this idea of using scratch cards and whenever you would see a number appear on screen you would scratch and sniff a card funny thing is new line cinema let the copyright on that lapse on the rugrats sequel they stole my odorama idea and they released odorama cards in like fast food restaurants with the exact same logo and name and when i tried to cause trouble i found out that new line had forgotten to renew the patent so they got away with it and they basically said to me john you know we thought this was an homage i said a check would have been homage i think (laughs) i actually have the criterion blu-ray over there that has one of the odorama cards in it and I'm too afraid to use it because I don't want to use it up. You, so you want to keep the scents locked in. Yeah. Um, and the scents are like smelly feet, roses, <laughs> glue, pizza. Yeah. Oh yeah, glue. He said he had to fight on a lot because they're like, we can't have people sniffing glue. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> it is really that inflection point of watching him move away from that more DIY style and into like a successful like bigger budgeted filmmaker and you see it with a lot of you know we we sort of talked about it with Almodovar how you know he started out sort of like as a Spanish John Waters and a lot of his films have those early hallmarks of of maybe not looking cheap but looking you know DIY yeah DIY and this is really where you see John Waters like really becoming but he he said that they tortured that neighborhood he doesn't make another movie until 1988 and that's Hairspray the movie Gavin mentioned earlier um he said that it was an accident that it was a PG like he was like what the what I I wasn't trying to make a PG film and yet and Hairspray might be his best known uh, movie but not because of this movie but because of the musical um yes people 
love the musical. The musical was a hit Broadway show. And the musical's then, the thing that he's made the most money on. And he said, in fact, if he had joined the unions when he did Polyester, which he didn't do, he would have made even more money on it. <laughs> See, join your unions. Unions are good. Join the unions. This is the first movie that he works with Ricky Lake. Um, Ricky Lake is an unknown and she is the lead in this movie as Tracy Turnblad, and and you will see her again in future films as well. This is a movie about you know integration, essentially. Yeah. In the sixties, or yeah, in the sixties, uh, in Baltimore, and um, the girls who are not cool or popular, um, actually being the most fucking cool and popular, and uh, Tracy and her best friend Penny, who want to audition for the Corny Collins show, um. I don't think a lot of people know that this movie, this, the original version, is not a musical. It is right. just a movie. I mean, it's it's kind of a musical. It's got like, some it's, music in it's it. It's got music in it, original songs and whatnot. But but it's not, but it's never like big musical numbers, no. you know. There is the iconic roach dress that Tracy wears at the end, which is honestly very pretty. It deals with a subplot that was cut out of the movie in which they were like making fun of her for being dirty. And so they put brooches in her hair. And he said Bob Shea correctly saw that scene and was like, is this a John Waters film or is this a Louis Boonwell film? <laughs> like, let's not. And he was like, you know what? He was right. Um, th- this movie also is a lot, of, like I said, about integration. You there, know. There's the Corny Collins show in the movie, which is based off classically the Buddy Dean show, which was the sort of like local dance party program that was before American's Bandstand, but was also like low rent version of American Bandstand. But it was so local to Baltimore that American Bandstand never aired there. He never saw American Bandstand as a kid. If Hollywood had made this movie, they would have had blacks on the show and just ignored the fact that none of the shows, Bandstand didn't have blacks on it either. None of them did then. And basically the problem was that all the music was black all the dancing came from blacks. Black singers were on the show all the time as entertainers, but they couldn't dance. And it wasn't because the kids didn't want it. Their parents didn't want it. Tracy, even though she's fat and, you know, comes from a lower class family, she's a good enough fucking dancer to join the Corny Collins show. And then from the inside, she says, fuck you guys for being racists. My black friends are cool and can dance better than all of you. It's great. We love we love Hairspray. I just recently watched this at the Alamo Draft House for like a they were they did a little brunch thing with it. it was great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I've never seen a hairspray on the big screen. So I, I, yeah, I should do that at some point. But it's funny because I also think it's interesting in comparing and contrasting it to the musical, which I've said on the show, like, I like, but I'm more tepid about because I think the movie version of the musical feels very stagey, which John Waters himself does not feel. He, he he really felt like Adam Shankman did something different. But I also think that the the funny thing is about watching this Hairspray versus the musical is this one's much more John Watersy. I mean, oh, Sonny Bono. Yeah. Um, the you you mentioned the the evil girl in it, Amber Von Tassel, who is played by Vitamin C. Hello. <laughs> um, whose mother is Deborah Harry. Iconic. And, who, and whose father is Sonny Bono. Uh, and they because they're the Corny Collins show is going to integrate. They plan on blowing up the Corny Collins show. Yeah. And it's like a big comedy moment at the end when the bomb doesn't go off correctly. Right. And, right. And they get arrested, but it's still like, Oh, that's much more John waters. Yeah. It's miles away from like what they did with the musical. Yeah. In 1990, he makes Crybaby, where Johnny Depp, bleh, uh, <laughs> who was the hot, from TV at the time, you know, yeah, he was not yet 
world famous Johnny Depp. Crybaby is the classic like boy from the wrong side of the tracks, you know, a little bit of sharks versus jets, a little bit, you know, Romeo and Juliet. It's a send up of Elvis movies. You know, yeah, it's his yeah. big like they have a big jailhouse number and everything. And and that's really what he's going for. And you once again get Ricky Lake. You get Tracy Lords in her first John Waters film. You get Patricia Hearst, Hearst in her in her first John Waters film. When he first met Patricia Hearst, he really put his foot in his mouth. He saw her at the con premiere of the film that was about her and went up to her and he's like, you know, that was a really good film. It almost makes me believe you didn't do it. Oh. And she said, thank you. People like you are why I went to prison. Oh. <laughs> and then, but then he was like, I want you to be in my next film. And she's been a dreamlander ever since. So um, this movie also has Iggy Pop, Kim McGuire as Hatchet Face. Hatchet Face is funny. I love Hatchet Face. What I love about this movie is that there's a moment. So there's this hot you know, girl who's like part of like the boring um, squares, I guess. But she's like in love with Johnny Depp. And Johnny's like, come over to our party where I'm going to sing. And she's like a little nervous because like all these hard, tough girls are there. And as soon as she arrives, though, the hard, tough girls aren't like, what the fuck are you doing here? You're not one of us. Literally, they're like, come on, we'll show you how to like be cool like us. They're so welcoming, inviting um, and so it it's so easy. I think a, a lot of movies do this where it's like, who the fuck's that bitch? She's not one of us. Right. And here it, it's really just like, oh, this like, they're not like, oh, she's a square. She's a loser. It's like, we'll come, we'll show you how to be one of us and be cool, which I thought was really, um, cool and neat. One of the most interesting things I remember watching this movie as like a teen or whatever is when they're like saving their tears and then like yeah. the, the the music swells and then they drink it very emotionally i'm like i was like that's disgusting for whatever i was like i'm sure drinking tears is fine but yeah it's just salty. salt water yeah but yeah, yeah. It, but it's so visceral like you don't think of like bodily fluids you don't think of like your tears and yeah and like how many tears would you have to save up to get a good gulp i know <laughs> he loves the close up of the one tear Crybaby. Yeah, the glycerin tier too. Nonetheless, it's a oh. very, it's a very 1950s style. Like, just oh, yeah. put glycerin on the eyes. And oh then. yeah. The other interesting thing about Crybaby is that it actually is a musical. Oh, and yes. then years years later, the people that made Hairspray then turned it into a musical using none of the original music from the movie, writing their own music, and it was a huge bomb. But surprisingly, people said it was much more in the John Waters spirit than the Hairspray musical. Yeah, so it maybe was, that's why it bombed. Yeah, it was a huge bomb. I think it closed literally the day after the Tonys. Yeah. Because it did get nominated for stuff, won nothing, and closed. Um, in 94, he makes perhaps his most mainstream movie, Serial Mom, uh, starring Kathleen Turner. Mmm. Mmm. What a sumptuous movie. Um, again, starring yeah. Ricky Lake, Matthew Lillard as the brother. In his first movie. Really? That was his first movie? Yep. Excellent first movie. Um and and also this is a time where like the Dreamlanders are kind of like fading a little bit or the original Dreamlanders. Yeah, I mean part of it is too. We've mentioned the crowd that John Waters hung around with. It was not, you know, it was not an easy time for a lot of these people. David Lockery was supposed to be in Desperate Living and he was on too much PCP and then shortly died thereafter. Um, when, you know, he basically bled to death after cutting himself with a piece of glass while on PCP. Um, Divine died of a heart attack about two weeks after 
hairspray came out right so that was divine's you know so there is there's a lot of death a lot of tragedy with the right. dreamlanders and and it's interesting to hear john water like he one of the shitty things and once again like he's fine he's fought for rights for many many years and and he i think he's a really good guy but one of the interesting things about listening to Mr. Know-it-all is realizing like, oh yeah, he's also an old man and there are some things that he just won't get. And he's kind of fat phobic. And I guess I understand if your best friend, if you literally believe your best friend ate himself to death, which he says in the book that mm. like, yeah, yeah. Of, of course, like that's, but also like cool it. Right. John. He also, it, you know, he said that he'd never hired a drag queen again. Yeah, or there are no drag queens in his movies, and he says that it's out of respect for Divine, um, but also he says that it's not shocking anymore. Like drag yeah. queens are just like part of the culture. At Divine's funeral, the two people that he always mentions that sent flowers, Divine had just landed a big role on Married with Children. He was going to be playing a reoccurring character of a gay uncle out of drag, and it was going to be a big first for television. And the cast and crew of Mary with Children sent a wreath with a thing saying, if you didn't want the part, you should have just told us. <laughs> wow. And and Whoopi Goldberg sent uh, a bunch of flowers with a card in it that just said, this is what good reviews gets you. Wow. Wow. I mean, because, yeah, Hairspray was a surprise hit. It was, you yeah. know, um, and, and John has spoken a little bit about, you know, he's just sad that Divine wasn't around to, like, really get the flowers they deserved and and that people were giving because the movie was such an enormous success yeah. he he's quoted as saying 20 years of hard work and then two weeks of success hardly seems fair and the one good thing i can remember it brought Telson to a standstill the town that hated him when he was a teenager that was something kind of not a reason to die for but that's all i could remember look at this the entire town this little village here is in a stopped because of this for somebody that you know they gave a lot of hassle to 20 years before that in 94 serial mom there's we're here again <laughs> we're here again you do get the sense that there is a new generation of dreamlanders kind of spearheaded by ricky lake like she kind of has said that her and john had like this rapport that just she had with no one else he uh, loves her he th- says she's a great actress yeah. and he says that the the talk show is was fun and good, but it's really kept her from being seen as the great actress that she is. Right. Um, Mink Stoll is also in this movie, but it's funny. I love Mink Stoll as the buttoned up, like, yes, kind of like conservative. Um, basically, this movie. Well, is a- she got to she got to play gross people for so many years right. for John Waters that I love that. Yeah, now he's basically using her as the the you know closeted conservative. Right. This movie is basically about, like, what would happen if this rich white woman was secretly a murderer and secretly the most disgusting, vile human being ever. And, you know, but because she is a rich white woman in this, like, kind of hoity-toity society, can literally get away with murder. She's, like, what? oh, my God, what, me? How ridiculous. You know I don't like chewing gum in the house. Officer, I'm sorry, but we don't allow gum in this house. Sorry, ma'am. Uh, we're investigating obscene phone calls and mail threats to a certain Mrs. Uh, Dottie Hinkle. I know Dottie. Uh, I should warn you, this note contains uh, language. Oh, my. 
that that is the limit. Officers, I have never even said the P word out loud, let alone I've written it down. His log line was, what if Martha Stewart snapped? Yeah. You know, she's incredibly likable, but she's also 100% lethal. Yeah. And this movie is so slick and so funny. But it's like the things that people fight about in the suburbs, you know, like, yeah. and, and the things that these like women wish they could do to each other, you know, like, and of uh, the whole like gag of like her um, prank calling Ming Stoll and being like, go fuck your stuff. You pussy. Like it's just, yeah. it's so funny. So when I saw this years ago pussy in Lincoln Willows. Center, pussy, yeah, when I saw this years ago in Lincoln Center, John Waters, brought Kathleen Turner with him Incredible. to do the intro. Incredible. And before the movie rolled, the last, she's like, just one for the road. Pussy Willows. <laughs> with that iconic so, voice. Yeah. She, it's so good. So funny. So quotable. Like, just a really well-made movie. Just 100%, like, you know, has that sort of early 90s energy. Like, weirdly, like, at times feels kind of like Wayne's World in yeah, a way that, like, yeah. it has that sort of, like, look to it. Uh, but, yeah, I, lo- I love Serial Mom, so. Um, no notes. No notes. <laughs> he's kind of, like, on this, like, kind of, you know, he's getting older, I guess. But it's also, I think he's realizing it's getting harder to make movies in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, 98, he makes Pecker. Um, which he literally had to battle to like have the name Pecker because the studio was like you can't or or the ratings or whoever the fuck it was. It's the MPAA. The only well now they're just the MPA, but the only time he's ever lobbied the MPA and won successfully, right? And he had to like go like a court case and plead his case in front of them, right? And and they were said like you know this is too much innuendo, and he was like, what about Shaft? What about yep. Free Willy, In and Out? Like there are all these movies. Like Pecker is the name of the character, and literally the movie has nothing to do with dicks. It's not like a sexual like there is sex, but like it's not like this movie is about dicks. It's really not. Um, Pecker is uh, a kid played by Edward Furlong, um, and and again like this is Hollywood time so like christina ricci's in here mary Kay place martha plimpton who is so good and he is a photographer and he takes pictures just for fun of his lower class family in baltimore and kind of yet again this the art snoots come into town and are like oh my goodness you're a genius they sweep him away to new york and what they don't realize is that they are making fun of them they are being like you know his life changes because his art has been discovered and it's, and reinterpreted. Um, there's like really awful kind of backhanded complimentary things in the paper about the, him and his family. Um, his grandma believes that there's a puppet of the Virgin Mary that talks. Um, what did she say? Full of grace, full of grace. Full of grace. <laughs> yeah. Which, which John Waters still has. Incredible. Um, yeah. I love this movie because it is basically, um, John Waters middle like it's his first middle finger to Hollywood I think yeah because it's about like you know you guys are actually laughing at me and my people in this in the art that I'm creating and I fucking see you doing it and it's not fucking cool and we are the same actually arts everywhere yeah my endless bags of dirty laundry (laughs) yeah it is if you think about it what 
the brilliant green of a grass stain? Yes, that's art. The subtle yellow of a urine-soaked sheet? Yeah, yeah, keep going. It's what you see every day. The aqua blue of cold water as it dilutes a violent red blood stain. Oh, you got it. Pecker is like a secretly deep movie, but also yeah. very fun with, you know, the teabagging. Martha Plimpton, who works at the gay bar. It's fun. It's, you know, m- not his most uh, celebrated film, I'd say. Yeah, but- I blame a lot of that on Edward Furlong and Christina Ricci. He doesn't say anything negative about either of them, but he did say that Edward Furlong was an interesting challenge because he's so low energy that you have to build him up and build him up and build him up to get him to where every other actor starts yes, on any girl, given day. Yes, queen, give me nothing. And then also, a while ago, Jinx Monsoon had Mink Stoll on her podcast, and she asked her if there was any actor who just, like, didn't get it. Just didn't get the whole John Waters thing. And she's like, I don't want to be mean, but Christina Ricci. Yeah. I, I, and you can kind of tell in the movie. I, recently, like, I read that Christina Ricci was, like, upset at how she looked in the film. Yeah. And that like she didn't look pretty or hot enough, and that John Waters literally had to tell the the makeup artist and said, "Tell Christina that we all look this way on my films. We all look <laughs> like this is how we look in my films." Yeah, uh, and she was interviewed and she talked about how much she hated Baltimore, which John Waters was like, "Yeah, that's fun." <laughs> this it's just like a very I think to me a very telling, especially I mean th- that's what the movie is about. The movie is about yeah. like you know, this is art is everywhere we are all artists like fuck off like there is no high art there is no low art like it is his um in 2000 he comes out with Cecil be demented um which stars melanie griffith which if i i have no facts for this but if there was someone who got it it was melanie if there was 100 if there was someone from hollywood who came in and said Fuck yeah, let's fucking ride. Cecil, please don't make me do this scene. Look, your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. Except this. He truly did believe he could get her. And he truly thought that, like... But he is convinced that because Antonio Banderas got his start in Pedro Almodovar films, Mm. that he was able to convince Melly Griffith, because this was during the time period in which they were married. She's great. She's she's so... I I like a lot of people don't like Cecil B. Demented. They they think it's the more on the I think Cecil B. Demented's so fucking funny. Me too. I love and like literally the start of a of a ton of careers. You Michael Shannon, Maggie Gyllenhaal, like all these very famous performers. I think Alicia Witt's really amazing in this movie, very underrated. Um and you know, we talked a lot about Steven yes. Dorff on our screen drafts episode. Yes. I think Steven Dorff's really good in this movie. One hundred percent committed. I had never or should s- be. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never seen this movie before. And it was so funny to watch this movie after our screen drafts because this movie just is a bit, is the second middle finger to Hollywood. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, the co-opting of film and how indie film is now the hot, cool thing in Hollywood, but they you know, people don't really fucking care. He also flips the bird to Baltimore. You know, yeah. like this movie is a kind of a big fuck you um, to just like A-list movie stars who want to do indie films, but like aren't actually like really committed to the bit. Like it's, I think the funniest thing about this is like, so basically the movie is about this gorilla um, 
film terrorist tr- group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but film terrorist group. Yes. And they um, snatch Melanie Griffith, who is this A-list Hollywood actress, and they are like, you're going to be in our movie. We're making a movie, and it's guerrilla terrorism movie, and we we need a big star to like really launch it into stratosphere and they're like to be in our gang you have to have this tattoo of like your favorite filmmaker and they have this whole thing like where they're like showing off their tattoos it's so stupid but it's so funny and it just made me laugh so hard because as someone who is not a film snob (laughs) i just love the idea that this john waters is going out of his way to be like film snobs you are stupid <laughs> and look at and, and he said look at yourself you are a dumb dumb sandwich the way his film snobs look aren't like what he's showing you is that these terrorists quote unquote love movies and they all look different like they are just yeah. normal human beings and the actual fucks who are losers are the rich white people who control everything um and I love it. They eventually turn Melanie Griffiths into one of them. Honey Whitlock is her name. Yes. Um, they turn her into... She, she's, a, she's a believer in the cause. The movie was a bomb, but it's so fun. I th- I, I think it's very good. I love the Forrest Gump, too. Like, how much he hates oh, Forrest Gump. Oh, my God, like, yes. Yeah. It's... He's... He... This is... He's he, angry. He, I think I think it's, it's one just, of his... Yeah. Is, is like, straight up... You know, for for all the like gross out stuff that happens earlier, for all the outsider stuff, I think Cecil B. Demented. It's, it's straight up angriest film. He's just mad and he wants to talk about all. I think nothing could be more telling. The opening shot of the movie, the opening credits are closed down movie theaters. Yeah, and he says he can't think of anything more sad in this world than closed down movie theaters. Yeah, his last movie he makes is 2004 is a dirty shame. It's his last movie, and it's, like, kind of a big swing and a big miss. Um, you know, does really poorly at the box office. It stars Tracy Ullman, Johnny Knoxville, Selma Blair. Um, and it's kind of his most, like, kind of... It's his, it's his movie about it's it's his movie about sex. It's a movie, yeah, his movie it's about... Yeah, it's his exploitation film. The whole plot is, you know, if you get a concussion, you become, like, this sexual freak and kind of uh, just, like, fighting the prudish people who don't like sex um who call themselves neuters yes neuters uh yeah i don't know i mean i i liked it more than i thought it was going to uh but it's the movie ends with a giant like jizz splatter on the screen and that's the end yeah he comes up with a new sex act a new sex act which is everybody hitting their heads against each other I feel like, you know, 2004 was, like, camp was dead, you know? Like, yeah. after, I mean, I hate to say this, but, like, after 9-11, like, yeah. being ironic and being, you know, camp just was not in vogue, you know? Like, having these conversations was not popular, was not really, like, bringing laughs. Uh, I, watching it now, like, I think it's... It is very subversive. I think it like he does what he sets out to do. Yeah, um, I, I mean, h- huge problems with the MPA this time, and he fully lost. I mean, they, you know, he went to them and they. He was like, "Well, what cuts can I make to make it an R?" Like, and they came to him and said, "Well, after a while, we stopped taking notes." Yikes. And so he he just knew he was dead in the water, right? And so there is a like R rated version that they like sent to you know uh, walmarts and blockbusters to rent and apparently it's 
god awful and he's like it's like its own art piece because so much of it is alternate takes and things he doesn't even remember shooting and dubbed lines and yeah i i I just think like unfortunately that it's kind of like time was up you know like it, it was just um the the culture was not there and especially because he had kind of come to the end of the lot of the Hollywood line, you know, like it was like yeah. you have to be making this movie needed to be like the Johnny Knoxville. I mean, this was also the era when Johnny Knoxville was making movies that were not Jackass, which uh, John Waters loves. John Waters says Jackass are the movies that like are probably closest to what he was doing back in the day. Yeah, he that he couldn't believe that, you know, straight men were bringing their straight sons to watch a man like staple his testicles to his leg in full frontal male nudity. Right. Right. Um, Stick things up their ass. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, So that's, you know, like we mentioned in 2007, the hairspray musical, the movie comes out, but the stage musical opened in 2002 in, in Seattle. And then it opened on Broadway in 2003. It won a, buttload of tony awards eight to be <laughs> clear which is which is a buttload you can i mean eight we, tony awards we, could, up there. we could be in our own john waters film and find out there how go. many tonys you could fit up your own ass the the show runs everywhere tours um and they make the movie which is also very successful it's one of the most the most you know successful musicals and like you said uh hbo apparently asked him to make a sequel um and it never was produced he never you know yeah made the thing there, there were several so they asked him to write a sequel to the to the musical he called it white lipstick uh they said it was too out there you know uh, link had singing pimples hbo asked him to do a sequel he wrote the script for that nobody wanted it um the they asked to do a sequel tv series he wrote the pilot for that didn't go anywhere but he said each time he's gotten paid, you know, so yeah. that's um, on ter- in terms of other sequels. He did write a sequel to Pink Flamingos. It was called Flamingos Forever. Nobody wanted to produce it. New Line was not interested. He said the closest they got was Troma Films offered him the money he was asking for. But then he went and saw their editing bays and he was like, I can't do this. He's like, uh, no. Yeah. So. I mean, he did have plans in 2008 to make a children's Christmas film called Fruitcake with Johnny Knoxville and Parker Posey, previous subject Parker Posey. Uh Um, And then it got shelved in 2009. And basically he said, you know, it's hard to make a $5 million independent film nowadays. I sold the idea, got a development deal, got paid a great salary to write it. And now the company is no longer around, which is the case with many independent film companies these days. Yeah. I mean, outside of that, like, you know, he has acted a little bit he's been in movies um you mentioned Whoopi goldberg they were together in homer and eddie in 1989 um he's was in you know uh the chucky sequel um, yeah um seed of chucky thank you so, yes. Put some respect on that name sorry <laughs> when i say acting like he's doing tip spots you know yeah. bits bits here and there but beyond that you know like he's never really been like given awards or nominated for things you know uh i think he was nominated for a sundance film festival award for hairspray um a couple independent spirit awards but like uh, his flowers have mostly come from museums who have you know taken his films and uh you know like we said plink flamingos has become kind of this very classic 
um, cult movie. Uh, the Criterion Collection has, you know, taken a lot, a lot of his movies are in the Criterion Collection. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I think, but I think he's like happy to not, he doesn't want to be mainstream. He wants right. to continue he, to be like shocking, grotesque, vile. He's he's said that, you know, that he's basically become Joan Rivers. He, he's not somebody who likes a lot of white on his schedule. He likes touring. He likes doing a show. He likes doing speaking engagements. He'll be happy to do that for the rest of his life. Um, you know, he collects fine art. He collects yes. books. And he's been writing, as you mentioned before, a ton. He did this project in 2012 where he decided to hitch, hitchhike across the United States, he wrote a book about it called Carsick. You know, he's written several books since then, including a brand new uh, fiction. fiction book called Liar Mouth, which just goes to show you that he still has ideas. You know, it's not not for want of anything. And yeah, he does still show up on things occasionally. He was just on Search Party. He was just on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So he he's not for like lack of work but you're right it's part of it is is that he's still maintaining that outsiderness like he still wants that out of everything right absolutely i i I don't think he wants to like get the like you know oscar whatever the lifetime achievement award like the you know the honorary right he still wants to be the outsider who is saying fucked up shit showing crazy things and you know um and good on him, you know, live, laugh, love, um, slash eat puke. As you get older, you can still be angry about social issues, but you can't be bitter. Bitter and old age really is a depressing moment. And when you're 23, you can be angry, you can be a drug addict, a drunk, and you can be sexy. But at 73, it doesn't look so good. Okay, Gavin, why don't we get into our picks? Let's mosey on down the road to our one-star reviews and find out what's the trashiest of the trash. My pick is uh, 1970s Multiple Maniacs. Um, I just think this is the movie that I saw and had the least amount of fun with. Um, It's also a movie that, to me, is the least coherent. Um hard to follow uh it, it it is no less or no more trashy than any other of his movies um it is aggressively trashy like like we mentioned earlier in the rewind um there is puke there is drug use there is rape there's a lobster i do love the lobster though actually the lobster is fun <laughs> yes folks this isn't any cheap x-rated movie or any fifth-rate porno play this is the show you want lady divine's cavalcade of perversions the silesia show on earth there's a lot of rape in this movie um not just from a lobster um and yeah i i don't think like divine is fully formed yet in this movie i you know she's not quite in full control of this character yet um so yeah i just didn't and and even though i know that he says and everyone says that everything was like very like strict into a t with the um how they were acting and reading their lines a lot of this movie does feel improvised and kind of like kind of like uh stop and start kind of like you know just gonna say my line again and again it definitely looks feels my experience with it was very like oh this was a student film (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I can I can totally understand not vibing with Multiple Maniacs. I had not seen it since I was a kid. And you're right, there the lack of coherency is a problem. I mean, it does start the, you know, there's a lot of Catholicism in it as well. We didn't even mention during the rosary job. You're also seeing reenactments of the of the passion yes, of the Christ. Li- literally this guy fucking on the cross and falling yeah. down. And, uh, and so, like, this, uh, there's a lot, you know, in a way, him talking about wanting to be Pasolini, like, there, there's, like, <laughs> there's proof of that, <laughs> the, the, that he did want that, and he's just not necessarily pulling it off. I don't dislike Multiple Maniacs as much as you do, because I do see the kernels of things there, and I, mm. I love watching that shit develop, but I, I don't think it's a bad pick. I'll be perfectly honest. Thank you. What about you? So this one, I waffled back and forth between two, like I said, but I think the one that I'm truthfully going to go to is Crybaby. Mm. And I know that might be surprising to a lot of people, but I just have trouble vibing with Crybaby. And part of it is, and I recently found this out, is that it's one of the few movies that he didn't really fully get the final cut on mm. and so there's a lot of stuff that was shot reshot test audience and he fucking and has like, said he hates test audiences yeah and like she, well yeah he was like can you imagine if pink flamingos had been test audience <laughs> that that divine would be eating gummy sour patch kids at the end yeah, instead of yeah. Poop. and so i just don't think it fully ever works for me there's a lot of ideas there and a lot of them are being thrown around um you mentioned you know the greaser characters led by Johnny Depp's crybaby, you know, they're, they're kind of the cooler people because the, the other people really suck. And there's, you know, though I do the mental image I have burned in my brain besides the baby being born is all of them hop doing the bunny hop down the street. I do Mm -hmm. think that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, But, but then like when you look at the subtext of it, like, I don't know. They're performing in front of a, a giant Confederate flag, and right. I mean, yeah. The, I, but the, I think, I think John Waters is like kind of into that shit. Like he's kind yeah. of into like the the shock of the KK. I'm not saying that he's like a racist. I don't think no. He, he certainly is not. But I think he is not going to judge anyone including you know like i mean in his first movie he had a black man ask a kkk member to officiate his wedding and so it's like john i can easily imagine john waters saying like who am i gonna judge them for burning crosses on lawns you know like it's drama it's camp it's fabulous you know like I, That's interesting, and I, I guess I hadn't thought about it, but I was like, the, I am feeling, you know, the mixed signals, and so like, it is mixed signals. I, yeah, I oftentimes I come out of uh, Crybaby thinking like, what did I just watch? What, did I enjoy that? I don't think I did. I but don't I, think, and and I I like a lot of the performances. I do think Tracy Lords is very good at it. I love Patty Hearst as her like is her mom who wants to send her away in exchange yeah. with an exchange student. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, I do think there's stuff to like in it. It's just most of it's not for me. What and I, think, I get kind of bored by it, even though it's like what ninety eight minutes, yeah, maybe even less. She's she's tight, but I think like the thing is, because I, I was thinking about that too. He does romanticize a little bit, like Southern culture, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like a lot of that has to do with you know 
he's like fuck snooty rich people up north yeah. who are looking down at you know uh these folks in the south including the white folks who are into this confederate americana shit um which like for better or worse like he is an old man and right. and so i i certainly don't think for all the things that he's done and for being this like kind of bastion of queer culture like he's not interested in like nuanced complicated conversations about things that are problematic or whatever yeah. He's he's very that very and he's most interested in just being like rich people think these white folks are stupid and so right. they are the outsiders they are the underdogs um and and I think he's able to like cut the racism stuff by employing or deploying black people in his movies he has you know there are characters in the movie who are front and center, who are black and who are also part of this culture. And I, I am not one to say, you know, like what, how people feel in Alabama or, you know, Louisiana about that shit, because that's not my experience, but it also isn't fucking John Waters is so. Right. And I do think, and I will say maybe the most interesting thing about Crybaby to me is how truly not different these people are, right. even though they're they're at war with each other about these things. And I think he also has a, a very, he's a very, he does a very good job at, at presenting to you how easily brainwashed a lot of this, these people are and this lifestyle is. And it's funny because, you know, it's, it's happening on both sides, but it's much more apparent on the like, quote unquote, clean kids, you know, they're, they're like repeating after each other yep. a lot that, you know, they're going to these meetings or everybody does the, the cotillion you know, stuff. Yeah. The cotillions and they all much like, I mean, John Waters did go to cotillions as a kid. He mentions it in his book. And so like there, there is an element of that involved. And I do think like there is some success there. And if one of these creatures ever approach you on the street, you are to silently repeat to yourself the four B's you learned here at RSVP. And what are they, children? The four B's. Beauty, brains, breeding, bounty. Yes. And it's probably has to do with studio interference and whatnot. I just don't think it's a lot of it's coherent and, and crybaby. And therefore, like, not as entertaining to me. It just doesn't have as much to say. Yeah, that's what I was I don't think this movie is the... It's his movie that says the least. It's the most, like, easy, like, these are the cool kids. These are the not cool kids. Yeah. And it, and it really doesn't have anything to do with, like, in Hairspray, where it's there's this racial, you know, component to it. And this, it's... There, it's just this cultural thing of like high class versus low class um and it, unlike that conversation that is had in pecker at least in pecker there's a conversation about art um yeah. and, and there's there's another level to it um so yeah that's, I, I agree with you gavin the crybaby is even though people really like it and i think there are some fun moments i i think it's his least political certainly least disgusting you know vile movie yeah. like and we, then, get, we get Hatchet Face, which is great. But yeah, like, I love Hatchet Face. I love Willem Dafoe in his one scene. Yes. You know, um, but yeah. Was there anything else that you saw that you didn't particularly like? Uh, I mean, <sighs> A Dirty Shame is hard because I think it's better yeah. than what people 
think it is. Like, I'm not mad at it, but it's just so out of time. Like, I, I, it's, it's out of time because, I mean, what a weird, like, time and era to spoof. Like, it's after 2001 and, you know, sex is certainly selling, but not in the way that, like, it's very, um, predatory very you know like yeah. uh male driven and to show and so there's a part of that appreciates like yeah we're we're gonna show fucking people that look all different shapes and sizes having sex like so there are parts of it that i'm like yeah this this is like good but even stuff. some of those feel judgmental like the whole bear thing the like husband and and he's admitted that like part of the reason he wrote the movie is he like found all these new subcultures online and the words for them and right. i heard him uh, repeat the husband a and lot the of that stuff thing. i'm like a lot of that seems so like past like it's like oh wow john waters learned what a bear was and like right right it was and funny and and that's sort of I that's how I feel about the movie. Like I don't, I'm not like offended by. It. I actually liked it less than the first time I saw it this time because <laughs> it feels almost like a parody of a John Waters movie. It, mm. it feels like somebody's trying to do John Waters. I love Tracy Ullman. I love Tracy Ullman. I think she's a real problem in this movie. The heart of camp is that you don't play it for the laughs right, you play it for right. the real and that's one of the things i love about the dreamlanders is no matter how ridiculous the situation they were in they were playing it for real mink stole is so good at doing yeah. that i think yep. she's great and a dirty shame and i think maybe hiring a comedian was wrong for that because between her and then also johnny knoxville they're not doing like selma blair is wholeheartedly in her performance she's doing it she's doing the thing i would even say chris isaac i think chris even isaac though he, is, yeah because he's not a comedian he's like right but i knew something was awry when because john waters loves rodents loves mice rats and like the, the badly like, CG squirreled. I knew something was wrong when they said we're gonna CGI the fucking squirrel, yeah. and I was like, oh god. And then, and then, like, and once again, I don't think it comes from a place of judgment, but like all of the sex maniacs in the movie, it comes from a head injury. Like that's yeah. what makes them want to have sex, and it's like a weird thing because it's basically like being like, oh, they, you know, they're impaired, so all they want to do is have sex, and it's like, I, I don't know it. It, to it me, doesn't work. It doesn't work. He still had some of that residual anger from Cecil B. Demented, and it's very misplaced. I will also say that he mentions in his book that Tracy Ullman was great to work with, but post movie was she had to go to like a a private screening because she couldn't attend, and apparently it was an awful experience. And she wouldn't talk to him afterwards, and she only did like one press thing. And he said she it was nice of her not to like badmouth it in the press, but like. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you think you're going to work with John Waters, you think it's going to be right. one thing. And then like, but again, I think the but timing. What, but, what? And I, I like, I feel bad. I don't want to fully blame them, but like, it just truly felt, you know, when we were on screen drafts. We talked about how like the Wicker Man, the remake of the Wicker Man isn't camp just because Neil Butte says it's camp, but right. it is camp because Nicolas Cage is doing camp. And right. part of that is, is he's so straight committed. Yeah, committed. he's committed to the bit and they just aren't. And and so it like, I think it suffers from that. Definitely. Yeah. Is there anything else that you thought kind of like fell below? Not really. <laughs> 
I I love a lot of these movies. I really do. And I had a great time rewatching a lot of them. All right, then. With that being said, let's roll on over to our five star reviews. So this might sound a little bit like I'm a sellout because I, I love the trash trilogy so much. The trash trio. I think it'd be hard to say that Pink Flamingos isn't his masterpiece. I know mm. that we've talked about it, but I think the like thing that is the most synthesis of, you know, what he can do and the sort of Hollywoodness of it all is Serial Mom. Uh, I know that was a long preamble to get us here, but I fucking love Serial Mom. I think it's so funny. I think part of the reason that it works so well, speaking of committed to the bit, is I think Kathleen Turner is 100% so into it. So much so that she got away with one of the rare improvs in a John Waters film, which is towards the end, she's chasing down Matthew Lillard's friend in a car and her family sees her and she's on her way to kill this man and she turns and waves to her family and John Waters didn't realize she did that until he saw people laugh at it at a screening which means he went through several edits of the film not realizing she had done it I think and this is going to sound crazy I think Kathleen Turner is maybe the best stand-in for John Waters as well Mm. I think this movie is filled with his little quirks, little... He has said several times that he truly believes wearing white after Labor Day is a murderable offense, (laughs) that you should be executed for it. Who is the actress Uh, that wears the white? Oh, so that's Patricia Hearst. Oh, she's wonderful in everything. so good, so good. You can't wear white shoes after Labor Day. That's not true anymore. Yes, it is. Didn't your mother ever tell you? Ah! Now you know. No, please. Fashion has changed. No, it hasn't. Yeah, I I love that movie. It's so endlessly quotable. I love the way he's able to sneak his Dreamlanders in, like, you know, the the trash men. Um, you have Mink Stoll as the neighbor. You know, it's... It, the the pervert the pervert who like she pussymatizes i want to say during the trial all those people are really brilliant it's great to see them and they're giving and i i honestly think that core cast of kathleen turner sam waterston ricky lake matthew lillard are so good and hitting the right pitch i also think that john waters has you know he has his finger on the pulse of what's happening this movie came out weeks before the oj trial happened Mm. it but he knew this like obsession with true crime i also think he's saying something interesting about these like these 16 year old 17 year olds obsessed with horror movies and then when matthew lillard's girlfriend sees one of the dead bodies she's like it's not like in the movies it was gore it was gross and i i think he's like yeah like Movies don't turn people into psychos. Right. Like they're, right. you know, they're it's entertainment. Easy. It's entertainment. Like people know the difference between reality and when confronted with the reality of it, they're going to freak out. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just a fascinating, it's a wonderful film. I love that it's done like fake true crime, that it's all like she, you know, she refused to cooperate right. with this. Right. And whatnot. It, it's, yeah, it's everything you could want from John Waters' movie. 
which is no knock against anything else I didn't pick, but I just personal favorite of mine. Well, Gavin, you said it all, babe. That is my five star <laughs> review too. Like I'd never seen Serial Mom before. Really? Yep. And watching it, it is like just shot and chaser together. Like from the <laughs> opening, from the opening of her killing the fly. And like yep. it's like the splatter of the blood of the fly. And she's like, there, got it. Like it's everyone in the movie knows what they're doing. They know yeah. what movie they're in. It's and, and it's and it truly is the turning point, right? Because it's the culmination of the trash trio and everything to Hollywood, you know, like it's it, it like you said, it's just the amalgamation of all the things and it just like all works. Um to get Suzanne Summers in the movie is so stupid <laughs> and it's so funny. Um the, and and it, I think, you know, you're right, like he's saying all these things, but also it's like about these women do get away with murder you know like these women get away with like so much like these white rich people just get away with so much cops are never gonna look their way you know and and she she's just out in the open about it she's so blatant something so petty as not recycling turns all of that that white jury against her yeah yeah it's the the idea that like if you're not keeping up with the Joneses, you will be brought down. Like and and it's because people he's satirizing how people take this shit so seriously, and it's just not that big of a fucking deal. Yeah, you know, I it, one of my favorite bits that I always forget about, and then I rewatch it. I'm always like, oh, when they go to church and the sermon is capital punishment and you and the priest literally starts off with jesus didn't say anything about the death penalty on the cross yeah wouldn't that have been a great time to say he was against it yeah yeah it's the movie just has a lot to say but it's just packaged so well in this like fucking tidal wave of comedy and perfect performances um led by kathleen turner who is just like and, and she's able to like you know go from very mild mannered and oh my goodness I can, can you imagine or i've never said words like that in my life i don't like go in the house to just like fully unhinged cr- maniacal <laughs> and and, the, and and also the movie looks great like the colors yeah. the style it is just such a fun movie are those pussy willows Dried ones. Aren't they pretty? What did you just say? Pussy Willows, Dottie. Quickly, is there other things that we want to throw out there as five-star potentials? Uh, I love the Trash Trio. I, I think Female Trouble is actually infinitely more quotable i love edith Ma- we didn't even talk about edith massey's subplot about she wants her nephew to be gay i and know that, fa- that famous quote about heterosexuality the world. is so boring i worry that you work in an office have children celebrate wedding anniversaries the world of heterosexual is a sick and boring life i think the two after Celia mom are also very good if you want to say something movie Pecker yeah. and Cecil to be demented, I think are just like the perfect fuck use to Hollywood. And it probably because Serial Mom was a huge bomb. Like, you know, yeah. it made no money. Um, and I'm sure after 
serial mom, it was very hard for him to make movies. Uh, yeah, he, he titles his chapter, the next chapter after serial mom is like the way down, essentially. Yeah. Because, yeah, and I was somebody who was convinced that I was like, eh, Pecker's okay. And I rewatched it for this, I was like, yeah, I actually really kind of dig Pecker. Yeah. A lot, he said a lot of people think it's autobiographical, it's not. But I do think there is a lot of that specific heart yes. in it. Like people taking your art and, you know, um, just like judging you for it. Or, yeah. you know, it, I think there's a lot to there in both of those movies. And, and maybe it's not like autobiographical about like his life, but I yeah. think his experience as an artist certainly comes into play for both those movies. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we move into our fast forward, why don't we do our mixed reviews review? My one star movie was 1970s Multiple Maniacs. And my one star review was 1990s Crybaby. And both of our five-star reviews was 1994's Serial Mom. You know, we're going to get you out of prison, Beverly. Beverly <laughs> Sutphin. <laughs> we One know you've day. been in prison ever since. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our fast-forward. John is fully in his 70s, 76 years old now. Yeah. He, his, his parents almost lived into their 90s, so hopefully he's got a good long yeah. more years ahead of him. And he's still working. Like you said, he's still touring. Um, like I mentioned earlier, they have Camp John Waters, which is what's in Connecticut. It's happening this year, September 9th. Um, oh, wow. It, it is sold out. Oh, of course it is. Um, I mean, Pink Flamingos uh, was added to the National Film Registry, saying that it's an important piece of significant art. It literally this week just came out on wow. the Criterion Collection. So, like, he's getting his flowers. People recognize him as an artist. I will say, and I I know that he keeps saying that, like, oh, it's impossible to get a film financed post a dirty shame and nobody wants to make these small movies. I think the, the tiny bit of bluff. I think he's fucking John Waters. If right. he wanted to do it, he could get it done. You know, he did that art installation that was, like, uh, I can't think of the name of it right now, and somebody's screaming at their, you know, podcast right now because they know, it, like, but like little flamingos, that was like an art installation of like little kids reading pink flamingos, <laughs> um, and but he like dumbed it down for for children, you know. He's he's once again he's not a sadist, you know, but <laughs> but I do think you know in his book he says. You know, there's always Kickstarter, but begging for money is so passe. And he does say that he got part of his money for polyester because he ran into an old camp counselor who was with his son at the time and was brought up the movie because he recognized this camp counselor as somebody who used to jerk him off when he was 14 at Jesus camp. Jesus Christ. And he's like, he's like, don't worry, it's not like a traumatizing memory. I enjoyed it. Oh, um, good. But, but I was like, you, so you extorted a person for money. Um, but like, yeah, I think, I think if he truly in his heart of hearts really felt that he had another movie in him, something else to say, he would have done it by now. And like, once again, he's 76. He just wants to ride his bike around Provincetown. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. But I, you know, it's one of those things where I think the lady doth protest too much Yeah, when he's like, oh, I can't get a movie made. And it's like, you're John Watt. Like, Pedro Almodovar would finance your film. Like, that's, it's yes. fine. You, like, Also, I mean, he 
is like an artist outside of making films. He paints, yeah. he does sculptures, visual arts and stuff. There have been exhibitions of his paintings that are very fucking kooky booky um, and weird. He's talked about how he loves collecting art and being part of the art world. Um, but yeah, I just think he likes being an old fag now. Yeah, period. I I 100% agree. And he's talked in in, um, this filthy world. He talks about how he loves poppers. They're the only drugs he takes, which poppers aren't drugs, really. It's just basically sniffing glue. Um, Yeah, but I mean, there was a time period where amyl nitrate was illegal. So they're, you know, or or in that to use it in that way was illegal. Yeah, Um, but I mean, it's illegal to sniff glue, right? Like It's illegal to sniff like (laughs) spray paint. For his 70th birthday, I think it was 70th, maybe not, maybe it was 75, one of the, one of the 70s, uh, he, he, and he details it in his book, um, he decided to take LSD for the first time in years, and so he did it with Mink Stoll and another good friend, another one of the Dreamlanders, uh, and he said it was a great experience, and, and just wonderful, and, and not bad at all, and he said all of their hallucinations were syncing up and like yeah wow imagine and, doing acid with john waters just like in I his know. like p-town like pied de terre Ugh. the other thing the other thing that i think that i love and i heard him say it in an interview i hopefully can find it i've downloaded so many interviews that i've not been able to listen to yet you know he's not interested in anybody who's like i'm a freak you know he said he used to get letters from people that like oh me and my friends are so freaky we'd love to be in your movie he's not interested in that he said what attracted him to mink stole is that she's the most normal person in the world mm-hmm. you know and that makes her freaky to to him you yeah, know yeah he, he's like he's like i love people that want to go home by nine i yeah. love people that like just want to watch tv together and whatnot and he's like those those are you know i know how to get my freaks i'm not interested in somebody that's like oh i'm so freaky yeah the people that are freaky in real life generally make terrible actors uh good actors actually in real life are are shy and very quiet people a lot of the time his life is very overmanaged he's very like loves a routine loves a schedule he like only gets drunk once a week he says it's on friday nights um, because he doesn't work on Saturday and Sundays. Um, it's and he's kind of like very anal retentive, like just like wants everything specifically done in a perfect order. I think I read in an interview that all his books that he owns are cataloged on like online for him, so he knows everything that he owns. And so he isn't like you're he finds the freakiness in the ordinary, I think. Yeah, and that's kind of like the key. It's not like Look how fucking weird and crazy I am. And I was thinking about, like, you know, God, some of these movies are hard to, like, get through and things are so disgusting and so... And and I was like, what's what's the point of all this? What's, like, you know, what is the the reason behind all this? And, and I was like, well, it's because fucking real life is disgusting. Real life yeah. is horrible and horrifying. Like, and I'm thinking about, you know, yeah, okay, this person's eating their own puke, but, like we're living truly through fucking the darkest times right now. Like, you know, it, and women's uh, bodies and their autonomy is being taken away. And like, and you know what these, meanwhile, like what he's showing us is that these women on the, in these movies decided to make fucking weird art where they chose to get raped by like these actors. Like, you know, like right. there is Imi- imitate rape. Let's, <laughs> yeah. but like, yes, yes. Yeah. They're acting out rape and like, you know, these horrible things and like these shocking things. 
and it's the choice of making that art to show that like you know the the reality is is actually the most disturbing and shocking thing that you can do reality and living in our times whatever that is because and constantly, again and again, you know, the villains in his films are the people that want to tell you how to live, yeah. that want to tell you what to do with your body, how to look, what's the best way to act right. In his, the very end of his book, he, in his acknowledgments, he thanks his parents for having the good taste so he knew what to fight against. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the thing is he, he's like, you don't need to have a guide to, t- like, if you know how to live your life the best way that's for you, yeah, there's going to be some fucking judgmental fucks, but don't let that stop you from doing the things you want to do and being the person that you are. And unfortunately, there's going to be not just people, but systems that are put in place that tell you those things are bad and you can't do them. And guess what? That's not what life is. Right. And I think he probably would include himself in that. Category because he said, you know, like annoy my generation, annoy yeah. us, like be like be little shits, be monsters, like you know, be transgressive. And I think he would like be like, yeah, I didn't get everything right. Fucking yeah. like, you know, you gotta be loud, you gotta fucking uh, be subversive. And if that means like, you know, like I don't think he's interested in being honored and and you know kind of like revered and all that shit it's like no keep twisting the knife babes like keep fucking it's the groucho marx thing you know why would i want to belong to a club that would have me as a member right yeah yeah that's a very um i think lovely way to end this episode don't you think i've Absolutely. So we praise our filth elder yes and love to make him the king of our pride episode uh, but I think that wraps up John Waters. I love that the most queer thing you could do is go to bed at 9 p.m., you know, <laughs> have your little Truly. drinks on a Friday night, be hungover on Saturday, and just have like a very relaxed weekend. You don't have to be the freak to be a freak, you know? Exactly. That's John Waters. But if you want to contact us, if you want to talk to us, us little freakies. Yeah. You can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. We have an email. If you want to email us, it's reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog of episodes, all of our Pride episodes, any of our other episodes, as you just have with this one, you can listen to us on any major podcast app. That's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, audible amazon we are everywhere and if you could do me the biggest favor and get us to a hundred reviews on apple podcasts i would love you so much so go to apple podcasts leave us a five star rating yes five stars all of them and write us a little review and we'll read it on the show and if you don't want us to read it on the show just tell us and if you want you can always 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 come to us with your bag of dog poop eat it in front of us we would love to see that We might look away, but you know we're enjoying it. Because we love you freaks, okay? We truly do. Thanks for following us on TikTok. (laughs) The freaks are on TikTok, I'll tell you what. Honestly, not wrong. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will be back in two weeks. I believe we have a guest coming up. Uh, A couple guests coming up. So, exciting times, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.